Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? And welcome back to another episode of No Silence Podcast with your host. Now, nah, fuck that with your low glasses, Malone. Motherfucking P, what's the deal? <sighs> just here, man. Just here. Not much else. How you liking Florida? I'm liking it. It's cool. I, I ran into a little bit of a wrinkle. The um, the Bidenzuela problem is has reached florida i went to walmart the other day to try to get some uh meat and chicken and they were out of both meat Whoa. and chicken yeah they had like one little thing of ground beef and like a couple chicken legs that was it i was like fuck shit that sound like you got some shit right there it look crazy no i just wasn't trying to cook that i, I had all ingredients to cook other things and i was like what, what's going on to why there is no meat in miami I'm not sure. I mean, I think it might be the fact that it's like the end of the road for like rail delivery, you know, like if like they don't grow that shit here. So if it's coming in, like, say, like last time I tried, I was making pasta. They ha- I couldn't find onions. I had to go to three stores to find onions. They don't got onions some onions. Not, not the spots I went to. Had oh, onions. There's oranges and cocaine. Yeah, the Seven Eleven I went to had nothing but empty shelves. They had like two things of orange juice, like the the shit, like the the super pulp Seven Eleven orange juice that nobody wants was the only orange juice they had left. I was shocked. Well, you know what I find odd is the shortage of baby food. Isn't baby food a fabricated item? Yeah, it's got a lot of weird FDA regulations and stuff. So I think that was a significant factor in that. Yeah, because I was talking, I was talking with my wife about that, and I said, "Well, children, infants that consume baby food can take the breast as well. So people go have to start." And see, my wife says some women don't produce milk. You know what? I, I don't like that excuse, um, because it's true, right? Some women don't produce milk. Like when abortions happen, some women do get raped, but that's not the majority of the problem. Well, what about this though? Like, if it, say you're that was very chauvinistic of you, G. Kids like eight months old, right? And you weaned your 
kid from like breast milk to formula like at five months hypothetically i don't know so like you, you stop why would you why would you wean your child from breast milk to formula i don't know but like suppose hypothetically that you do and then your body stops producing milk and then there's no more formula can you produce the milk again well i definitely courtesy of mrs Steele, i was educated on that because i said some things i said women need to stop being lazy and breastfeed their kid. They're too worried about their figure and their nipples getting warped out of shape and all that stuff. I thought that they didn't want to do it just for cosmetic reasons, but I found out that some women just don't produce enough milk because let's take all my kids. Jasmine was 100% breastfed. Stefan, he was breastfed but took the bottle too because he was so greedy that he would make Maria run dry on milk. She wouldn't have enough milk for him, so she would have to make him a bottle because he was just that greedy. Chris, he didn't want the milk. He uh, he was weird. He just he wanted. To he just wanted steak thing. right there. He just wanted to do some weird stuff. So we had some weird con- concoction of ingredients for him. But Jasmine, she was fully on breast. And I'll tell you something that's interesting too. Both of my boys had um you know asthma and um, psoriasis. Right when they hmm. were younger, Jasmine was one hundred percent breastfed. She didn't have none of those illnesses. Perfect skin, perfect everything. So I, I think, do the- think this, yeah. Hmm? Go ahead, Pete. No, I, I say I, I think that it's probably not too much to suggest that when you have a pharmaceutical company that is responsible for making most of the formula, that there might be a little bit of future market incentive with the quote unquote recipe. And and I resent what you said. Still, like we have to stop coming into a space to where people are being questioned, and then the immediate response is a fear or hate, like. If you say something that people don't agree with, right? Like, let's say if I say, uh, as a talent, when I listen to Little Nas X records, at times they're corny, right? I'm not a homophobe, right? That's just ridiculous. That's just a intellectually lazy response to challenge. Is his mu- you know music corny? Just like prior, when I was just saying, right now I'm like, you know, like baby food or like abortion, like. Abortion laws are not rooted in rape, right? It's all about convenience. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm being pro-man or hateful to women or misogynist, as you would call it, or chauvinistic, as you would call it. That's ridiculous. It's just lazy. Literally, you would have to combat the ideas and then do the numbers of how many women actually get raped and have abortion versus how many women just have abortion. Well, let me clarify first what I did. See, I said, gee, that sounds very chauvinistic of you. And it did sound chauvinistic. Listen. It sounded. sounded. So listen, the clinical definition of listening and hearing, right? Uh, Men, men listen, right? You, you list and you end. Women tend to hear, right? That's to acknowledge sound. So that's why when I say something, you will respond with, it sounds like you're saying, or it sounds like you're, no, I, I gave you a list and end. Just look at the list and end. It's all real. Like it's not about hating women or disliking women. I understand that some women do not produce milk, but that is not why formula companies are wealthy. They're wealthy because people are, Lazy. People don't want to have kids because they don't want the financial responsibilities. That's the majority reason why people. And I think that's responsible. I think that's being responsible. It's not nothing about taking a life is responsible. 
No, listen, I'm not. I'm talking about people that decide not to have kids for the financial ramifications. I think if you can't afford to have children, you can't. You shouldn't have. But I think the responsible thing to do would be to not have sex. Not have sex. And that's and 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 that phase right there is what's wrong with with humanity. Yeah. And like from a woman's standpoint on abortion, women want they don't want to cover anything. They want to they want to get nutted in by who the fuck ever. And then they want to have an abortion, but they want their abortion free and paid for by the taxpayer. And if they don't have the abortion, they want to have the kid and they want to put the dude on child support. And if the dude doesn't have enough money, then guess who steps in the taxpayer again? I'm paying for abortions and fucking child support via my taxes for more bitches I ain't never fucked than I could ever count. And that's Pete, the white man. The white man's a man. I never talk about my white tax dollars. But I, I feel you. Pete. <laughs> <laughs> white I just don't like paying for pussy I wasn't dead. It's just, it, it doesn't ring well with me. You don't like paying for pussy. No ceilings. Fuck. We're going to get canceled because of the first few minutes. Let me turn this shit off in the first few minutes. I'm sorry, ladies. Pete is telling the truth, but he has to say it better. <laughs> I couldn't no have said it any better. No sillies. <laughs> yeah, my man Peter Boss, resident producer, uh, excuse me, resident managerial expertise and executive podcast company owner, Norman Steele. Feel me, my manager, Big Steel is in the house as usual. What's up, my brothers? You know, if we didn't Let's get canceled in those first three or four minutes, man, because I can yeah, see the this shit off right off the rip. They're gonna be like, first off, glasses is tripping. How dare he actually compare abortions to murdering life? It's something we're doing with our body. Like it's crazy how they have reduced the conversation of abortions to the equivalent of getting a tattoo. It's like, oh, whatever we do with our bodies, like I'm saying, don't get a tattoo. But he's telling you this is the same. But I don't want to talk about that because women already going to be mad. And I'm sorry, ladies, but y'all got to keep it real sometimes. And we got to keep just like me and I keep it real with men for me. And that's what this is all about. Keeping it real. I was um, listening to something. Uh, uh, it was. a um, Oh. His name is Hassan Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some of his content. Um, he's like a YouTuber. Um, he speaks from a really, I almost want to feel like he has a really good soulful place that he speaks from. But at times when I listen to him, it sounds like he's just really been traumatized and been through a lot. And he feels pressure kind of to respond in certain ways, or he feels like he's catering to his audience. That's just my opinion. It don't mean I'm right. I don't well, he's been um, he's been through some trauma. You know, that's doggy dogs. That's, that's doggy diamonds, man. Yeah, yeah. And and, I, and it's obvious, right? So that's not the point. But it was something he was saying. He was having a conversation with Math, and he was saying he applauded uh, uh, Pop Smoke. Rest in peace to Cuz Solid Low, Cuz cool young nigga. He said he applauded him for not checking in. And I just thought that that was a weird thing, right? Because I'm starting to realize there's this overall connotation with what people refer to as checking in, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm vested, right? This is my expertise, right? The street urban lifestyle, like more than Pete, more than Stills. So Pete, I wanted to ask you, what do you think people mean when they say checking in? 
I don't know. It depends on the context. Like, how are you how are you suggesting it? Well, I'm saying if a rapper, if 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 so, right now within the conversation, right, ha- being had by the culture, people are saying, is it a good or a bad thing to check in? Um, that means if you go to Los Angeles, get in contact with certain Los Angelinos, right, who have street ties. Oh, to get your ass covered. I don't quite know why. I don't want to kind of assume what it means, but I'm asking. I got what you. Do, what do you think it means? Um, probably depends on where you're going, but I think that, yeah, maybe to some extent, there's it seems like there's always kind of an industry like suggestion that if you're in somebody's city, it's almost like you owe it to that person to contribute in some sort of a way to what's happening in the city or what they do as like the leading voice in the city. Still, what do you think? Shit. I don't think no one should have to check in with nobody. Let me ask you this. What do you think checking in means? I think checking in is alerting people that somewhere you're going to, a city that you're traveling to, like if I was going to New York, if I check in with somebody and say, hey, I mean, you guys city, kind of just to put them on notice that you in a city. But as far as that whole checking in thing, like you got to let me know, you know how Trick Trick was shutting down people's concerts and all that stuff? That's ridiculous to me. Well, I think that I think Trick was actually talking about really the promoters. He felt that um, a lot of the promoters, right, they were booking these out of town acts, right, and um, having the Detroit audience come through the community, right, to to provide and watch these acts. And he was never the promoters were not supporting Detroit artists and allowing them to be a part of it, right, doing your community part, like you know, like it would require to lift each urban street community out of this level of poor, of poverty and oppression. So he started to tell the other rappers, hey man, if y'all coming through here, you know, this would be dope of you, you know, if you're gonna get money in Detroit to allow other rappers from Detroit, right? To have an opportunity to share, you know, to share the stage so they can entertain Detroit too because these promoters ain't booking them. I actually agree with what Trick was doing. I actually think it was really smart. Um, you know, to to a certain extent, bro, I get it. I think um, you should support the community, right? Instead of just coming to take from a community, you should support it. But the whole premise, I understand what Trick Trick was doing, right? But this whole thing where people want to get checked in just on some street stuff, want people to check in, or you were in my city without checking in with me, it's going to be problems. That's very, That's a very ignorant mind state to me. But But who's ever said that? You've heard numerous people say that. I've never in my life heard a rapper say, hey, if you don't check in, when you come to my city, it's going to be a problem. I've never heard that in my life. You haven't Isn't that kind of the whole baseline behind like the fact that, like, say, for example, there's a lot of recording that is done in hip hop in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is it there a relationship between the concept that Steele's talking about and what you're talking about and the fact that whether it be 60s or mob pyro or various hoods are working as like security for these acts when they come in from out of town. The 60s get a, a really bad rap on what's going on in that. Make it a generic gang then. Any Anyone. Because we I mean, know that there are... Specifically talk about the 60s, right? I think they get a really bad rap in this arena, right? Um, Rolling 60 Crip is an international brand. 
how powerful it is international within the urban community street communities i don't know but i know it's out there but within america's borders it's a really powerful brand a lot of people want to be affiliated with the rolling 60 crips i don't think they have to look for anyone i think most people come looking for them and people because you want to be affiliated with these brands right and you want to wear it and you want to you know you want to be a part of it you know what i mean it, just like any other homie you know it's best if you do community things to try to help people from the community right but i think that's what that's my issue in the concept somewhere along the line it became something compatible or comparable to like being exploited and mm -hmm. I, like i said i was listening to math and i was listening to Hassan talk about it and i just thought that was dumb i mean not dumb of them but that's a dumb concept and it's weird because like you don't check in people don't make you pay because you exist matter of fact People only make you pay when you try to use their brand, right? When you try to use their brand, right? And, and any anytime you do, it should cost you something. Like this is a brand that people blood, you know, sweat, you know, shed blood, sweat, tears, die, kill over, you know, to protect the 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 uh the reputation of the brand. Um, but I think the concept of checking in has gotten so far out of context, rooted in some level of the West Coast being like this forceful thing of like, oh, you know what? Yeah, you, you got to pay them because this. It's like, no, people pay people because they want to be affiliated. Most of the well, time, people not taking money. Most of the time, they're offering jobs. Oh, you know what? Would you like to be the security while we doing it? Like by that same standard, like when Puff had used the South Sides, Right now, it has such a negative connotation, but that's dope to employ other brothers from different cities and states for me to to hold your common interest while you in this territory. Because I concur with that. Is, if you're a real concrete player out here, you feel me? Other concrete players respect what you're doing. But like, if you think of some of the most, you know, some of the some of the gangs of the communities that's overly represented in the music industry like a gang like mansfield come to mind right well you got t money d mac femi k all these niggas right uh uh um uh, uh, they don't have to use force like it's some kind of confusion that that what we do here especially don't have value you feel me like it doesn't have value within hip-hop and all we do is take from artists but let's talk about what the jungles right did for waka flocka they created his career at this level. They gave him the most outstanding reputation as a gangster rapper that any rapper in Atlanta could ever have. Because when he came and did a video in the jungles, all of the blood stood behind him and embraced him like he was somebody from their community. Like the video might have costed $20,000. let us say whatever he spent. Let's say he contributed $35,000 to the community. That song made him a multi-million dollar act. Now, I've, he's had success before and he had some success after. But Hard in the Paint became such a phenomenon, right? And it made him look really, really credible, right, as an artist because he was able as a Georgia, as an Atlanta artist that's from New York, he was able to come to one of the worst places in Los Angeles and stand with 200 of the most notorious gang members in Los Angeles and get support.
like so I digress, but the, the, the thought I was having is when I go to New York, right? I, I get down in uh you know Manhattan. I call my niggas because they my guys. Because exactly, like we all do. Exactly. Around America, right? It's only a handful of us everywhere we go. So the natural thing is to literally brothership and fe- excuse me, fellowship with other brothers that's from the culture. So when I go to New York, I'm going to hit Trey Pizzy out of the Bronx. I'm going to hit my man Wink out of Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm going to hit all my partners, feel me, because I want to see them. So if you really a concrete player, you know, a, a real, a, 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 some kind of phenom in what you do, if, if, if your shit is what it is, it's, you don't even feel the concept of checking in is totally different. It's like letting your people know I'm around, what we doing, what's happening. I don't get this whole, you feel me, this belief that you have to pay somebody to be in Los Angeles. No, you pay somebody to protect you from other niggas from Los Angeles. Because other niggas from Los Angeles is looking at opportunities to come up and you may look like an opportunity to pay some rent for some months. That's why you start to interact with other members of Los Angeles or the concept of checking in. But I don't think most of these dudes is doing that. Like, Somebody like Chris Brown, right, who will get a reputation. Man, them people probably ain't. Whack, my nigga Whack is really important in that from Treetop. Whack ain't need, uh, excuse me, Fruit Town, forgive me. Whack is from Fruit Town. Menace is from Fruit Town. Whack and Menace don't need no money from Chris Brown. Whack had a Bentley before he knew Chris Brown. He don't need no money. Chris Brown loves what this thing that we call the culture represents. He loves the brotherhood of it. He loves the togetherness of it. He loves the lingo in it. He loves the fashion of it. It's a lovable thing. It's what it's what made Snoop the greatest artist for me to come out of hip hop ever. Because culturally, it is very fascinating to watch us do our thing. But like I said, just listening to them two brothers chop it up because was weird. Because it's like, is that what y'all think of us? You think we need your money? You think we're just this untalented, you know, Big U gets a bad reputation for this. And Big U has a ton of great ideas. He brings a ton of value as an elder, somebody who survived the worst parts of their life. Can I speak on him real quick, bro? Can I speak on him? I think think Big U is a very, very misunderstood individual. He does a number of incredible things for his community. And when I talk about community, I mean really the community, the kids, especially the children over there. You know, um, you know, gee, I had a youth football program, and that's how I met Big U. Actually, I didn't meet Big U on no music stuff and nothing else. I met Big U talking mess through Tony Lane, through Black Tone, sure. about football. Shout you out know, to my boy Black Tone, man, get better, Tone. Yeah, you talk about a guy that has a program with maybe two hundred to two hundred fifty kids in it, and it's expensive running the youth football program. 85% of his base does not pay. They don't have money to pay league fees or anything like that, but they still play football. And all of these, and he's genuinely, he genuinely has his communities at heart. He has he has what's best for them. He's not doing nothing foul, man. I think he's a misunderstood cat. Like, I even heard some, you know, I, I even just heard something about him, somebody saying, well, he's dealing with the police. No, he's not dealing with the police. He has a program to where he gets funding from the police department 
for the community. But even, even even entertaining those concepts, when you're talking about a guy who has trans, you know, transitioned his life right from prison into doing positive things for the community, right, a nonprofit, it all kind of funding does it doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck. Whoever funds these programs, he's supposed to use the money for the benefit of those children. I don't give a fuck if it's the wealthiest A-trade nigga in America or the wealthiest nigga from Inglewood families in America and they want to donate to the program. This is this is about black kids in the ghetto. So I don't even entertain that silly shit. It's just the concept of listening to people like people here are just a bunch of guys who literally have no talent and we just taking it. Honestly, I don't think people here crush down enough on the talent. I really think Waka Flocka paid cheap. Well, you know what, though? The one thing I respect about Waka Flocka, dog, is whatever T. Rogers, rest in peace, T. T Rogers, OG T. Rogers, whatever T, whatever. Lucky is a plug on that. Rest in peace, Lucky, his son, too. Yeah, he's a good brother, man. And we actually, you, you know what pisses me off about that, man? And that's why I don't take stuff for granted now. We were supposed to be starting to work on this documentary. We had been talking on the phone about it. We had talked about it maybe three or four times, and I looked up. He was gone, you know? Man, so we can't – Yeah, yeah, we can't Funny, waste opportunities. I'll tell you a story about T. Rogers, right? <laughs> so, me and Lucky, me and Lucky, we met through a, a mutual homie, but we got close fast, right? Lucky was this real talented person, introduced me to Benny Boom. Shout out to Benny, cuz. Really awesome director. Great. He actually shot the video for Hard in the Paint. Um, long story short, he hooked me up with his pops, T. Rogers, right? I heard his name a thousand times. I remember seeing him in the movie Colors. You know, this nigga is King Blood, I mean, to some degree. You know, certain names you hear, you know, these niggas is really one of them guys, you know, like Terry, you know, all of those guys. So he wanted to meet me. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go meet T. Rogers. You know, I'm off the east side. I, shit, I ain't did nothing to nobody over here. So we decided to meet up at a Roscoe's in Inglewood. And, uh, we meet up. So we had met before, but we meet up to talk business at this Roscoe's. Now we in Inglewood, now with T. Rogers, right? So I'm really shit out of luck. I'm in Inglewood with T. Rogers, right? So I walk into the restaurant. T. is sitting in there. No, I walk in first. They sit us at a table. T. comes. Like, okay, this is where we're sitting at. So he's talking to me. I'm with uh, either Mo or Mitra. And he says, uh, he said, hey, glasses, man. What's up, young man? How you doing? I said, man, OG, I'm chilling, man. How are you? Everything is good, man. So I, he said, you got a uh, you got a crazy selection of place you want to sit at right here. You know, have you thought about if we needed to get out of here? Where would our exit be? And I said, uh, I said, yeah, the door is over there. I said, I got my pistol. He said, well, no, I got my pistol. He showed me his pistol. He said, that's not the point I'm asking you. I'm saying, he said, how will we get out of here? I said, well, this window looks good. He said, my man. <laughs> he thought I was looking for the door. I'm like, yeah, this is all window. We're going out this window right here. This is where the cars is at. This is our exit. So I can just remember a lot of great conversations with him. He's such a brilliant guy, man. Such a brilliant dude, man. And and I was talking about Snoop earlier on my Instagram live, you know, uh, how they see us versus how we are, you know, from from this culture we call blood and the crypt. T. Rogers probably could have gave better advice 
on the presidential position for me to Joe Biden. That's how smart of a guy, how intelligent and smart and resourceful and wise he was as a person. And like I said, to constantly be reduced down. Back to that point, like, look what we offered Waka Flocka. Like, look what we did for Waka Flocka's career. Now, I'm not again, I'm not taking credit, right, as a Los Angeles person for Waka Flocka. I'm just telling you, that's the power of the brand that people and rappers want to be affiliated with. I'm not sure. Maybe Lucky calls Waka and says, Waka, you should come shoot this video in the jungles. I just don't think that that's how that's happening. I just think it's a little bit more of people understanding the value, right? Because he's seen the movie Training Day. So he understands the value of the culture. They've seen boys in the hood. So again, it's one of those things where we really get shortchanged. And then the concept that really makes sense because hip hop is all about urban street communities. And really checking in is just those urban street communities linking up, right? And offering resources and 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 chilling with each other and you know building a bond so we could keep helping brothers from our background that don't have representation. Well, one thing, bro, I think Walker really understood, like you said, I think he understood the importance of having the streets behind you. You know, just think about how powerful that video was. He's shooting a video in, that, in those particular projects yeah. that you know he had to have permission to shoot them in and you're getting greeted by T. Rogers and all that. That boosted his career up to exponentially. Yeah. And and I think if you ask him, he understands the value of it. You know what I mean? And he would say so. So I just don't when did checking in become this? Oh, somebody's trying to exploit you. Somebody's trying to steal from you. Again, like I said, I don't think the culture does a great job. I, I know different neighborhoods that mess with Jeezy, but Jeezy don't have verses with people from these neighborhoods. I know certain people that mess with certain rappers. And if you're going to have rappers hanging out in your community and coming by and claiming the fame, why would you not have them do things for your younger homies to try to uplift your community? You know, I, you know, you know who handled uh-huh. I think, and I've said this once or twice, I genuinely think the culture is being exploited. Yeah, it is. It is the culture. But I'll tell you, you know this. I think we are being exploited. Yeah, you know who does the best job, little bro, of handling their hood public relations, so to speak? Who? Birdman. Yeah. Stunner. He handles himself, because if you ever notice, dog, around the country, He's accepted by real street cats. That's what I tell people. Birdman can go to Chicago. He can go to New York. He can come out here to L.A. And he's good out here, genuinely good, because he's handling. Now, one thing you said, you don't hear Jeezy verses out here. I remember at one time, it was five, six different people on Watch the verses from Birdman. And Wayne. Yeah, and Wayne. Why you, why you playing? No, I think I think. I've never, and being around Birdman for years when I was around him all the time, I never got that. I never got the feeling of like, yeah, I'm not trying to touch hands in the community or I feel like some sense of like I shouldn't be here. So no, Stunner really loves the that, hood, dog. It's funny that, like I said, that he was saying that and um, all I thought to myself was really y'all niggas getting over the fact that you could come out here and access, right? You can, you have access to our communities, our unique living spaces, the things that the world has literally, you know, Boys in the Hood did a hundred million, not Jews. You know what I'm saying? Like 
our culture is a phenomenon. Imagine us feeling like it'd be pressure if I went to New York, right? And I was like, well, I need to connect with LL Cool J because they're the real ancestors and fathers of hip hop. None of us would ever say that. That's an honor. I'd love to get LL on the phone when I go to New York. I, I'm trying to find, you know, I've talked to Cooher. I'm trying to, I got a chance to eat fish with Eric B. I thought it was a wonderful thing to, to go to the origins of where hip hop was created in fellowship, right? With all of the brothers, that's the, the that's literally the cultural phenoms of it. I, I thought it was awesome. I love that. So gangster I didn't even take a picture in front of the Marcy Projects. It just felt like I was supposed to be there. I never thought for two seconds that it was exploitation or this, that, and the third. Like, I wish Cool G Rap would have called me when I was in New York. Glasses, you know, come by the store. I'd have been honored. Mm-hmm. I don't get, you know, this whole narrative. Like, well, what I think, bro, I think it's the internet. I think it's the era that we in now, and they kind of take it because, like you said, if you listen, if you go on YouTube right now, they're going to say, oh, somebody got taxed for not checking in, right? It's never like that, bro. Just like you said, it's not how it's perceived to be. People, if you're smart, you're going, if I go to New York, of course I'm going to call the homies and let them know I'm touching down. If I go to Louisiana, if I go to New Orleans, I'm going to check in with Fiend and everybody else down there. I just don't understand what it means. Like, I I can't. And, then, and don't get me wrong, G. I'm not checking in out of fear of people may think. It's because you literally going somewhere. Hey, bro, I'm in the city. What's going I on? I have dinner with some exactly. of the while I'm here. Wait, man, I want to catch in. We going to Sweet Chicks? What's, what's, what we got going on? Because when I'm in New Orleans, for me, we going to Morrow's? What, what, we, what we do? Like, I'm finna exactly. with the brothers. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. It's so many people masquerade as us and speaking for us. Right. When I say us, the street urban culture, it's so many people masquerading, right? Rapping, whatever, blogging, masquerading as us, trying to speak for us. And it creates these silly narratives that get spread. And it's shit that we all know is not true. Like it was a conversation I was listening to Sheik Luch, and they were saying if a police came into his restaurant, right, to actually get a beverage, would he serve them? He's like, hell yeah. It's like we all know if you've been in the streets, right? If you if you've participated, you feel me? You understand once you're not in the life that these rules don't apply to you. Sometimes you can carry the same ethics, but the rules don't apply to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I just thought it was weird that you have so many people speaking up about how we're living, right? And they're supposed to be representatives, but I don't feel represented. Like I, I listened to them. I just couldn't believe they thought that checking in meant like, like they said Pop Smoke got killed for not checking in. Yeah, that was That's ridiculous, crazy. dog. That was ridiculous. He didn't get, because I'm going to tell you this, G, first of all, I think people, when they say that stuff, I look at them like they're retarded because of this. If Peter flew into L.A. right now, he could fly into L.A. tomorrow, G, and me and you, neither one, would get no alert. It's not like Nick Rose out here got a phone and somebody come in, a rap, out-of-town rapper alert. Oh, he just flew in right now. He's on flight 622, and he's coming in. If somebody come to your city, you're more than likely not even going to know. I agree. You're not going to know. How, how are you going to know? The city is too big, bro, especially when you go somewhere like New York. Man, you can go to New York tomorrow, G, be in a hotel, be in a suite, kicking it the whole week, and nobody know. 
Well, it depends it, on the city, you know. And the conversations kind of changed a little bit from the beginning. Like talking about like in Detroit, like if you're going to New York or you're going to L.A., you can go in there for something really small. It's not public. You know, it's like a private industry type of you purpose. You can fly into trip. Detroit. Detroit ain't the biggest. You can fly into Detroit. And if you don't want to be seen, you're not going to see nobody. Yeah, I understand that. But like more often than not, I mean, like from a professional stand, like like from, from like a hip hop music industry professional task standpoint, yeah, you I can think- come to L.A. and record a song or do a photo shoot or same with New York. If you go to Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Detroit, whatever, you're probably going there to do like a live performance or something that's more public. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything. A moment that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these very moments. The last couple of years has been the hardest season of our marriage for sure. I'm surprised our marriage survived it. I think we both are. I think we both were barely holding on. Mm. Nothing compares to how hard this is. Their stories are full of candor, awe, and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. True behavior change is really identity change. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Listen to A Slight Change of Plans on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think what happens to most rappers, now again, this is like with most abortions, what happens to most rappers, right, is they're trying to take advantage, right, of the said community, right? That's where I was going. The reputation that's been built up. Why is it great to take a picture here? Why do you want to take a picture here? Feel me? Most of those reasons are going to come from 
why the community made it popular. So why would you not want to actually fellowship with the community you want to take advantage of or take a picture in front of? And, and that's like kind of the other side of it. Like it, it's wherever there is a perceived like value deficit, then you're going to have the same type of conversation. Like you might think, okay, well you're getting free location exposure at the, in the J's or in Marcy's or wherever the hell you are. Whereas like where it started was like, you were talking about rappers in Detroit wanting to be able to, you know, gain value on the other side by participating in somebody else's show who's a bigger name than they are potentially, you know? So it, it, it breaks both ways. I think it's just people wanting their perceived just do. Yeah. This would be fair. I just don't see why would that be a big thing to go to another town where you see other brothers that came from that kind of community that you came from, but here and not say to yourself, how can I not, how can I help these brothers? What small things can I do for me? Because I'm here with them. And, and I see that the same things are going on here that's going on where I'm from. And it mm-hmm. be the smallest shit. Maybe you go to a town and you see a rapper, right? You shooting a video, right? And, and in the four trays and the four tray gangster crips on the east side. Why would you not reach out to K-Boy or a rapper in four tray and figure out who's the local rapper over here? You know what? Hey, I'm finna shoot a video over here. You know, I already pay location fee, but look, Tell the local rapper that's from this community, hey man, send me a song. Let me do a verse for them. You or know, cameo. And he comes together and figure out, you know, hey, it's two guys. Hey, well, you know what? Let send me both of those guys' verses. Let me do both of those guys' verses. You know what I mean? Because they are coming from oppressed and impoverished black communities, just like mine. And if nothing else, I can do this to help them. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, like really. You can make the case that at the end of the day, there's like equal value in, in, in either outcome. Like take, for example, the Waka Flocka video. For as much as that was a value add for him at the time, that also on a national scope elevated the perception value of association with the jungles. Yeah, dude. You know, afterwards. So if you happened to be a rapper from the jungles in the subsequent few year period out of that time, which there weren't really any. But if there was one, that there was value that was, you no, know, bilateral. That's not true. Of course there was. No. Of course it's true. Who benefited? Well, Which rapper benefited? That's what I'm saying. There wasn't one. If there, was, if, if there was one. From the jungles. Malcolm is from the jungles. There's a lot of rappers from the jungles. Right now, they got a group that's finally making headway. Baby Stone Gorillas, right? And. Why would not Waka Flocka call them and reach out to collab with them? They already started to gain traction. They, they didn't. They Hot Sauce been dope for a long time out of that community. Never received a benefit. Never received nothing because somebody shot a video. Them project, them, excuse me, that housing complex was much more famous before Waka Flocka ever came there. Remember, it was just on a, it was just in a film that did over hundred million dollars that Denzel won his only Oscar for. For sure. Like, but those are the only two times that's ever gotten like national visibility. But, but again, but but within the community, right. And this is what's important though, right. Pete is within the cultures, uh, the urban street cultures around the world, right. Around the country, right. 
they all know about the jungles if you in the know of culture, right? If you in the know of urban street culture. So yes, in the mainstream world, when they saw training day, they found out what the jungles were, the, the mainstream world. But us, right, within the urban street cultures all around have all heard about the jungles. <coughs> all have heard about the jungles. So again, I don't think there's no value. And I think sometimes that's the mistake that homies from the community make really believing that if these people are around, it brings more value to their community. It's not unless somebody decides to institute value, the actual person taking advantage of it, or you have to monetize that person's presence in the community. Anyway, it's not just going to get more popular and people going to be like, Hey, I want to go there too. It ain't like somebody else came with a hundred, you know, let's say Waka Flocka pay 50,000. You know, that's the number to shoot his video. Nobody came back and said, I have 150,000 to shoot. It ain't like, you know, Katy Perry's like, you know what? I want the same video. I'm going to give you guys 150,000. That, that's not what's happening. You feel me? What's happening is, right, those, these same artists don't really benefit because you actually taking some, you actually taking what makes it special. You know, the newness, the first time you've seen it. We had never seen a rapper, with, you know, in the jungles backed by all of these people. And there's a ton of fantastic rappers that's from around the way. Uh, Joe Moses from Brim, 15, 10 minutes away. Hot Sauce from over there. He's really spectacular. Malcolm's from over there. Malcolm Edge is from over there. There's different people from over there. A lot of bloods from around the area. But they have never had the benefit of being smack dead on Nicolette with all of the niggas from BPS behind them to say, hey, we are supporting this entity. Yeah, you, you know what, bro? I feel what you're saying when you put it that way. Like, like, let's go back to the Waka Flocka video, which you and Peter both saying in essence pretty much that none of the rappers over there actually got the benefit from that exposure. No. When you think about it like that, you're correct. 100% correct. And that's why I think as a community, even with this concept of checking in, because checking in makes it, like I said, listening to those two specific brothers had them conversation. Or even when I was talking to Van Lathan on um, something they working on for their stuff, it's this negative connotation on checking in, where it's like, oh, you know, if you go to L.A., you need to call L.A. niggas so you don't get robbed. No, no. You call L.A. niggas, right, to do your security to make sure other L.A. niggas don't rob you who want to rob you for money, right? That's the point of it, right? You have security or you have regular security that you fly with. You know, but again, if you're from the urban street community, why would you not give people an opportunity? You know what I mean? Unless mm -hmm. you can afford, you know, the, the guys from special forces like Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre got a dude that's probably about five foot ten, five foot nine. Look like he'll eat your heart. Little white man. So if you don't have, you know, the best security. Right. Why would you not employ brothers from different communities? You feel me? Where impoverished people looking to actually, you know, pay their rent. Like, why would you not look to employ different people from communities, especially if you want to partake in it? That just makes sense. Like, T somebody asked me, was T.I. being exploited? I just laugh. I'm like, dog, T.I. is who he is. Nobody's exploiting T.I. T.I. loves doing cool things for other black folks. Feel me? And, and again, long as said community is providing a value, like, what are we really saying? Like, it, it ain't like a contrived idea for the most part all the time, right? Of like, well, you rob them and I stop you from getting robbed. It's just not. It's just, 
a bunch of poor people who have a lot more access to different parts of the city than other places we go. You know, certain things people don't go pull off in Manhattan. I mean, they don't go do that shit in Manhattan. It's different. No. Here, you know, the community will find its way to Hollywood. They will find its way to Hollywood and make you a victim. So, again, it's not likely to happen, but it has happened. Like, you caught the clip where Boosie was talking about L.A. is dangerous because you don't know anybody out there. You need you need to deal with the people that are out there, you know, in, an, in a paraphrased nutshell. It was right, right after the Kodak Black shooting. Charlie. Somebody asked him about that. Well, so, first of all, I think, man, a lot of people <clears throat> that talk about L.A. on these social media networks and just in media in general have no clue on what they're talking about. Is, and that, and that's and that's my point still. That's why I really was getting down to it's like I'm starting to realize I'm starting to realize that it's a lot of people claiming that they're hip hop or part of hip hop or represent what we represent, right? And they speak for us or speak on us, yet it always seems like it's just incorrect. You know what I mean? And All the time. I'm starting to notice that. And it's starting to really be annoying because it's like, if you one of us, how could you have this wrong? Now I'm starting to think, you know, you just masquerading as one of us and it's not real anyway. That's probably true as well. That goes back to the exploitation well, for free. <laughs> The good majority of people are out here putting two on a ten, G. I mean, I feel that. I, I feel a two on a ten, right? But now again, like I said, when you really analyze it, we provide a lot greater value of people, you know, benefiting from our culture, right? Than we actually are taking from people. I, I just don't know what type of black man, feel me, would that has this negative connotation on check in. Like I've heard people argue about it. Nigga, I ain't checking in with nobody. Niggas got me fucked up. Like, what do you mean you're not checking in? You, you mean to tell me you don't have partners in this city that you call and you let them know you're around? Do you not want to see your brothers from, you know, Flatbush, New York? Do you not want to see your brothers from New Orleans or Miami or Houston? Feel me, if I went to Houston, yeah, I'm gonna hit my boys. I'm at zero. Feel me? I'm gonna hit my guys that I mess with, the guys in the street. This is wherever I go because I literally intend to fellowship with the brothers. Exactly. I don't know what the hell happened to us, right, as a community to where we don't want to fellowship with the brothers. Bro, I'm gonna tell you what it is, G. Right now, we basically living in the um, have you ever seen that movie Idiocracy? No. If you get a chance, go watch it. Have you seen Idiocracy, Pete? Mm-hmm. Who's in it? Um, a bunch of no-name actors, but the whole premise of the movie, it was um, a movie that was supposed to supposedly shot in the future, right? To where the vegetation on the planet had died because they were planting the, um, they were using, instead of using water to, um, water to flower the um, vegetation, they were using Gatorade. And so this guy came from the past and said, well, they thought he was a genius because he pretty much fixed every problem they had instead of using Gatorade. He said, well, this is why no vegetation is grown because y'all using Gatorade. He started using water. 
the people were pretty much idiots because they got addicted to television programming. You know, that's hence the name idiocracy. But that's the era that we're living in right now. We live in the era, man, that where people believe any damn thing somebody say. It's but but social media, right, is turning into the home of bad advice. And bad, bad information advice and bad advice is just spreading rampantly. Like like beauty standards are being colonized by one simple idea rooted most likely in a white person. That's just weird. You know what I mean? Like um checking in, fellowshipping with your brothers from from other street urban communities is being frowned upon and somehow you are you know, you are less than if you fellowship with your brothers <laughs> around the globe. I mean, what type of person don't want to help other black people again? Right. It's like, I don't know. Like I don't know what's going on. And it's getting worse and worse. I, I hear a lot of people like I, I listen to certain people. And again, like we talked about this, Pete, they were telling me that hip hop is a bad influence on the community. And I laugh at them like, no, hip hop is the community. Like, you know, it, it, somebody said drill music is a bad influence on the community. No, drill music. Drilling is what's going on in Chicago in the community. All oh, futures music, right? The opioid, he, you know, it's a bad, it's it's bad thing on the community. No, the community is addicted to opioids, and he's telling you that. He's representing that with conversation. And and, and black people are getting to a weird space, you know what I mean? And and actually, they've been here. They've been here. Like historically, right? We are so prideful as a people, right? We want to say. Whatever problems we got going on, let's leave in the here. We're going to walk outside, everybody together, and act like everything is okay. Right? And that's what we're doing right, right now. We want to say, well, you know what? It ain't that bad. You know, okay, so instead of trying to cure, you know, what's going on right in Chicago, right? You got a bunch of poor, you know, impoverished and oppressed children, right? trying to figure out life, very little opportunity, very little resources, very little everything, right? Yet there is a bunch of surplus, you know, professional big pharma medication that has been flooded through that community, right? And then a train stops, right, where there are all these automatic weapons. So guns that usually poor people couldn't afford or, or people who don't have to be responsible, right, or could be intellectually lazy, they, they could never afford these guns. You know, to get an AK-47 is $1,000, $2,000. So a poor, impoverished, you know, motherfuckers didn't start. Remember, we was talking to, to the homie about it still, and he was saying they didn't see AK-47s in L.A. to niggas start selling drugs. Yeah. Niggas couldn't afford an AK-47. Most of the, 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 uh, the violence happening with guns pre- you know, crack cocaine was, you know, grandpa double barrel shotgun that somebody sawed off the fucking barrel or or somebody's uncle long, stupid ass 38. Mm -hmm. you know, and then crack came and now they're buying, you know, Uzis, Tech Nines, you feel me, AKs. But in Chicago, the money didn't come through yet. These are 11, 12, 13, 14 year old kids, right? Having access. They have got their hands on fully automatic weapons and big pharma medicine that they are using recreationally to try to escape their circumstances. Feel me? What they think is in front of them and what they think is their challenge. 
And then everybody within our culture wants to talk about why are the rappers rapping about what's going on in Chicago? They shouldn't rap about it. And I'm like, well, why are you more mad at the actual art itself versus being upset at the inspiration for the art? Exactly. Like, I don't hear as many black people arguing, well, how did these 12 and 13 year old kids get fully automatic weapons? When I was 13 or 14, when the seven O's first pulled guns on us and killed Nook Nook, I had to buy 25. It was one hundred and twenty dollars. <laughs> and it was a piece of shit. You feel me? Yet these niggas is 12 and 13 and 14. And they have FNN scars and AK-47s and Glocks, feel me, with 40-round magazines in it. And I'm listening to people who supposed to represent or come from where we come from say, it's your, you're rapping about what's going on in Chicago. You know, you're, it's your fault because you're rapping about it. Instead of being like, oh, now I know what's going on. Let's figure out what happened in Chicago to make this happen. No, nope, that would be too much light right for them to look at the art and say, damn, what is that reflecting? We need to go deal with the reflection. And th some peak could value. Like it's like makeup. Like with girls, feel me? Like they they they're not taking care of their health, right? And not drinking enough water. It's a thousand things they're not doing for their skin to be correct, right? And mm -hmm. They're getting acne. And guess what? They're putting foundation right <clears throat> over the acne, right? And they just pasting it on there instead of actually dealing with why the fuck you have acne to, instead of dealing with the bumps. That's what's being hip hop went from being our news and telling us what's going on in, in each of our urban street communities around the country, right? To Oh, it's your fault this is happening. Who the fuck blames the newspaper for the news? <laughs> well, it's like, I, I think there's a, I want to say like a perspective crisis. So this is something, you know, where if it's within the community itself, n nobody wants to, it's like what I was saying the other day, I can't remember what the hell it even was about. Nobody wants to like be party to you know, not in the legal sense, literally, but like class action blame. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you are in the community and you can possibly be tied culpable to a flaw, it's like, well, I'm not going to go there. It has to be something else. It has to be something that I had nothing to do with because I'm perfect and I don't want to accept I might have made a mistake. Or so who, who can I blame? So I'm not that guy. He's not me. And everyone can and everyone can see him. And it's funny you said that because that conversation, that that narrative I just spoke of, where they're blaming the newspaper for the news, is coming from people who this culture, right? Who who expressing this culture made them wealthy. Gee, I'm gonna tell you that's part of the problem right there. We can't blame nobody but ourselves, bro. I can't. I'm not. Fuck y'all. Listen, listen to me, bro. I'm going to tell you, um, most of the media that's in hip hop media, right, is owned and operated by white people, right? Under the guise that is black people, that is black. 
You get what I'm saying? But that don't Why are we being mad that it's being reported versus what's happening? Like, why are we not getting down to the root? Right. Again, like checking in. Right. Checking in is a way for brothers within the community. That is hip hop. All these urban street communities is a way that we can parlay with each other, break bread with each other, experience these other's cultures up close and personal build a bond with people from around the fucking world that go through the same shit that's oppressed by the same person and some fucking how niggas have allowed that to turn into being exploited that shit crazy it's 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 again it's another universal human behavior thing like i'll draw a parallel so let me i'm gonna compare two things so i'm which one do you want me to say first the black one or the white one there's there's similar in in inherent nature Tell me the white one. The white one first. Okay. No, don't tell me the black one at all. Just tell me the white one. <laughs> Can you hear this shit, Steel? Can you fucking believe this shit I got to put up with? With all the nonsense. Can't even make a goddamn comparison. Only half a comparison. Yeah, let right. him get that out, G. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Right, so, so here's half a comparison. You have a lot of talk about absentee parents or absentee fathers, correct? In a lot of upper, like, like upper upper tax bracket white neighborhoods you have two professional parents that work like 90 hours a week you have a surgeon and say a lawyer they work fucking 15 hours a day times five or six right and their and their daughter is 14 years old and has no fucking sense of self and she has a weird eating disorder like my high school was on the local fucking news my ninth grade high school because girls were snorting riddling like cocaine trying to drop weight this is where five foot six, 107 pounds to start before they got the Ritalin in their fucking sinuses. Sure. So what do they do? Oh, it's Cosmopolitan Magazine's fault. It's the easiest thing to point <laughs> so, to. This it's high always, profile, it's not you. It's always yeah. somebody else's fault. Oh, and it's, you know, you, you can find a deflection apparatus in a lot of places if you look for one. That is crazy. I never knew that. Yeah, it's just weird. But <laughs> crazy. That that's my point. Like, I'm getting sick of what's supposed to be the culture, right? Or people supposedly from the culture talking shit about the culture. And it's like, you know, oh gee, you mean to tell me you don't think drill music is bad for the community? Bitch, drill music is the community. Rappers didn't make this shit up. They didn't start, hey, you know what? I'm going to make up some shit and just start shooting motherfuckers and this going to be my whole album. It, it, it's not happening. You feel me? And But I'm going to create this whole world of 12 and 13 and 14 year old people having guns, killing each other. And then I'm going to inspire the world to kill each other. The fuck are you talking about? Because it's actually happening. You're mad at Chief Keith because it's happening and he's telling you it's happening? The fuck is wrong with you? Who the fuck gets mad at the newspaper for the, oh, it's, you know, I can't believe they printed this real story. How dare you? But you know what? Still, I've heard stories, right, of other black families telling me, like, if a kid got touched in the house, instead of them really calling the police, getting the authorities involved, they just try to sweep it under the rug. Oh, dog! It happens. It happens all the time, and that's in the black community. Gee, we have a tendency to internalize everything. 
you've seen it in a number of households, and I'm going to tell you what was really big and stuff like the Midwest, maybe even now you're in the West Coast. You would have instances of um, the teenage girls getting raped and abused by different family members in the house. The women in the house, the older women know about it, but they don't say nothing because of them, that shame. They just figured it is something. And if they did get address it, it's always the girl's fault. Well, you knew you shouldn't have been wearing those shorts around your uncle. And, 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 and I'm not going to get that far because that is just start getting, you know, a lot. That's the truth, though, bro. But, but what bothers me is we have became the same thing that have that's gave our community a voice. We're mad at what the voice is saying. That's not new, though. I, I mean, it's new because I'm not used to it being people that are supposed to be like us from the community. Now, well, I mean, different. you mentioned on the live, what's her name? It's different with C. Dolores Tucker. C. Dolores okay. Tucker is not from this. C. Dolores Tucker is from another time. I get Fair. it. It's a black person from Beverly Hills talking about gangbanging. That person well, is ignorant. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. How old was C. Dolores Tucker at that time? About 45? Probably so back then. How old is the speaker now? About 45, probably? Touche. They close. They're from a different time. I mean, there's a whole generation and change separating, like, do or die from Dirk. They're like 30 years apart in age. Yeah, it's real. That's a good point. That's a real good point. And, gee, I, I think that's the biggest thing, bro. I think it's just the era we in, bro. It got to be. I think it's the era we in, brother. I think um, today people aren't as informed as we are. You remember back in before, and you would think it would be the opposite now because people have access Your to a plethora. Uh, yeah, endless, uh, uh, endless information, bro, but they do not use it. They would rather lazy. They would prefer to rather listen to Buki on YouTube. He has a better time distributing information, y'all, dog, than someone else that's um that's actually versed on something. We listen to the wrong information today, bro. That shit crap. You're right. How the fuck is there more information and motherfuckers is more ignorant? That's what I'm saying. I wish we had access to this. Well, that's that's the issue itself. It's it, it's it's a surface area volume ratio. And motherfuckers is more. I saw a motherfucker talking about my son like, I can't believe he made this up. This story. And it was a rapper. And he was like, this doesn't even sound like it could be true. Tupac is no way possible. Tupac could have got murdered by another gang member. It had to be the government. And I was like, cuz. Like, what the fuck is going on to where mother? How could you have access to this much fucking information easily in the palm of your hand and be ignorant. Think about it like this, though. Imagine an old school newsstand, right? You've got racks of maybe 15 different newspapers, right? Now you go to a newsstand and there's 1,500 different newspapers. It takes all the time in your day just to read which newspapers are there. You don't even have time to pick up the newspaper and read the article. That's kind of what you see now. People are you're so inundated with the headline and the picture. You see 10,000 of them. There were 10,000 headlines and pictures before. It was five, and you could read the whole story. And now people fail to look at something and go, and there's no there's no critical thought happening either. That's the biggest problem. I see shit all the time. Yeah, I go, yeah. you know what's that's funny? crap, and I look it up immediately, and I go, that's 
proven crap. Here's the court case right here. You're wrong. Exactly. I was, I was thinking this. I was like, we spent entirely too much time trying to teach people intellect versus educating intelligent people. Bingo. Everybody got obsessed with, you know why that is? Because the, the education system doesn't want to be accountable for shortcomings. So it's easier to teach information than to teach thought processes. Here, who was the first president of the United States? George Washington. Not like, how did George Washington become the first president of the United States? You know, one question is a lot easier to regurgitate than the other. So it's a lot easier to teach. At least you know these things. Uh, Yeah, but listen, G, Peter just hit it right in the head, man. We have a bunch of people. People have a tendency to want to believe what they want to believe. You know, I always tell you people want to choose. You know, I always say you want to win the way you want to win versus just winning. People would rather hear a fabricated story, dog, than the truth. I mean, the lie is much more. Be- the truth is the ugly truth. The beautiful Remember when lie. I was joking with you the day and I told you just lie to me, bro? Yeah. <laughs> a lie is beautiful. A lie is beautiful, dog. If you tell Make somebody up. everything is going to be okay, that's all you Make need to up. hear sometimes. Makeup, yeah. girdles, heels, lashes, weaves, beautiful lies. Very beautiful lies, bro. Good looking out for tuning in to the No Sellers Podcast. Please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, comment, and share. This episode was recorded right here on the West Coast of the USA and produced by my homeboy, A-King, for the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Yeah. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.